0: Welcome to Triumph. This is a show about God's love, His peace, His mercy, and certainly His forgiveness for those who have had an abortion experience in their past. We'll talk about some topics that may be uncomfortable for some, but this will be very personal, it'll be very truthful. My name is Tim Welsh. I'm Executive Director of Bethesda Healing Ministry, a Catholic ministry that's been around for more than 26 years, dedicated to helping women and men Navigate the sometimes stormy waters of healing and reconciliation after an abortion experience. And I'm again, once again, joined by my wife, Jo.
1: Hello. The love
0: of my life. Jo, that's what I call her at home, anyway. Um,. Today, also, we're joined by Maria Elliott, who is a licensed clinical counselor, and she volunteers for Bethesda Healing Ministry. She helps facilitate the healing uh, ministry uh, meetings there. Hi, Maria. Hi. Thanks for joining us again. You know, last time we talked about um, symptoms and we dove into the the symptoms that people might exhibit after an abortion experience who are grieving that abortion. I think it's an important thing, too, uh, and maybe you can speak to this. It's been my experience, and I think statistics um, uh, bear this out. Not every woman has an issue with her abortion experience. I mean, there are plenty of women who have an issue with their abortion experience, and and that's really a spectrum of of severity, sort of, you know. I mean, we there. There are some women who just have a a constant sort of uh, nagging thought about that experience, and there are some women who 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 the their symptoms manifest in some dependency on alcohol or drugs. It may may even uh, translate into depression. It may even go so far as si- suicidal ideations, all that kind of stuff. So th- there's that there's that spectrum of uh, from you know like the telltale heart to all the way to golly, I, I just want to be done, you know, and so we talked about that last last time the The thing we wanted to talk about today though is a little bit more um insidious, I think, in terms of how women are uh handling their abortion experience, even. Uh, many years down the road and that is triggers you know what triggers these thoughts and those things are so so important and and i know joe you've had some experience with some triggers that just really shocked you but uh and we'll get into those here in just a minute but but maria why don't you tee up this notion of triggers
2: sure i i think you bring up a great point About um, everyone's experience post abortion is very different. It's an intricate sort of weaving of our past self, our relationships, really what we were, who we were, what we were dealing with leading up to the abortion, um, the actual experience and the the relationships surrounding that experience, and then past that, if we received support, if we received help, if not. You know, so all of those things affect our um, experience of the abortion and the trauma of that, um, and and it really, I think, relates to the triggers that we may feel because mm-hmm. some people will feel triggers of. You know, we talked about symptoms last time, being psychological sy- symptoms like depression, isolation, sadness, anxiety relational symptoms, pushing people away, even spiritual symptoms um, and behavioral symptoms of, like you talked about, alcohol, drug use, or really involvement in activities like pro-life activities. All of those um, can come up, um, and the triggers that cause those to increase are very different. For some, it is an anniversary of when the abortion happened. Um, for for some, it's a season, mm. maybe a season. For some, it's um, a certain group of friends yeah. or people in their lives. Um, there's all sorts of different uh, triggers that can can really set off and increase the symptoms. And it's important to notice what they are so that you can begin that that sequence of oh this happened now I'm experiencing these symptoms here's what I can do and we'll get to that at the near the end sure um, but that's where we're going with the importance of triggers like,
0: so let's let's define a trigger uh, before we go too far uh, into this and and you know in this context it would be something that connects you back to the abortion experience and also causes some unpredictable reaction. Basically, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's, that's how we could define triggers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yep. they're really tied to your thoughts and your emotions, mm-hmm. um, and even then your behaviors, that when something happens, you experience an intense symptom. And again, that could be spiritual, psychological, relational, or behavioral.
0: Yeah. Or physical.
2: Or physical, absolutely. Right. right. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, wanna, you may want to run away. Mm-hmm. You may get cold mm-hmm. sweats. You may get... Uh, you know, some some uh, nausea. Even, sure. You know, yeah.
2: and you know, I want to say um, that triggers can sometimes be unconscious. Like we don't even know hmm. why we're experiencing hmm. yeah. these. They okay. sometimes we experience the trigger and we're immediately taken taken back to a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. But if we've buried that traumatic experience for so many years and been in denial for that it's sometimes our body and our mind will compensate and say, well, you know, I'm still experiencing these symptoms, but I'm not quite sure why I'm experiencing mm. those symptoms. That's why it's important um, in post-abortive healing to, to make that connection so they can be healed.
0: Yeah, you know?
1: yeah.
2: And I think we talk a lot about triggers in, in the healing
1: process. And um, when I started my healing journey – in uh, nine years ago, almost 10 years ago, I didn't really think I had triggers. And um, in fact, looking back now, you know, I had three things written down because I was just like, I don't really have any triggers, Um, whether it was because it was buried so deep. And like you were saying, Maria, um, Mm -hmm. but um, some very obvious, or maybe not obvious, but to me it seems obvious, like going for a gynecological exam. I mean, that that's a trigger that, which I think most people can just understand, right? Um, because it's just a very um, personal yet... Um, Awful, uncomfortable thing. You have to do.
0: <laughs> it's kind of invasive. It and is it, invasive. I mean, it's, it, it is invasive. A so, very, for a woman, it's very difficult. I can imagine. I remember. And, may I say something here before you yeah, go sure. on? I remember um, you had a little. You had to have a biopsy done, right? Right. And uh, your your uh, OB/GYN had to snip some stuff right. in, in your lady parts, right? I mean, I don't want to get too <laughs> crazy here, but you know, there was. <laughs>
1: It's I was there. Called
0: a colposcopy a colposcopy, okay, so, so you had a colposcopy that? dr welsh, and uh <laughs> um I was in the room, and I remember um as uncomfortable as that was and it was terribly uncomfortable but for you for me <laughs> uh, I, I, let alone you i mean golly um but um I remember we walked out as we were walking out there you looked at me i when it when she snipped the little piece of tissue sample. the sample um i remember you looking at me with a look on your face that i'd never seen before and i haven't seen since that there was there was something it was there was something between uh, like um uh, fear and and uh, sort of hopelessness kind of there was some look in your eye i don't even know if i can de- describe it but there was a look in your eye that again i've never seen i had never seen before and i haven't seen since and you told me as we walked out you said that reminded me of my abortion yeah and it was it was a very poignant moment for me i'm sure it was for you as well but
1: yeah because i mean you know the procedure of abortion is not really something you want to keep thinking about or remembering and so but when with that experience um of that um, her taking that tissue, it was. It just took me right back. I mean, you could have like knocked me over with a feather. I just, I couldn't believe that instantly. How that took me right back there, and how scary that was.
0: Yeah, you were scared, and there, you, you had a physical reaction as well as just psychologically and yeah. mentally.
1: Um, but you know, there are. I mean, that's that. That's like that's a big trigger. Right, and that's not going to happen to everybody every day. Sort of thing, mm-hmm. the the everyday things, right? Everyday things like um, maybe the the friends that you had at the time, or um, living in the same town you've lived in, and running into those people, and just wondering. Do they know? Do they remember? Do any of those things? You or know? how
0: many people have they told, or something like right, that? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you you have that kind of a trigger that you know you just kind of talk yourself out of. You are kind of like, okay, I'm 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 just going to ignore that, right? Um, but I didn't expect, um, and really I didn't write this down initially, but kind of thinking about summertime and i always love summertime because it's such i always have a sense of freedom in summer in the summer i and maybe everybody does but you know it's freedom because you know the days are longer it's you can do more things so but i never really thought of it as a trigger for me until you know i started kind of working through my healing again you know just my continued work through my healing, I should say. But um, the, the, the kind of funny one that, you know, last year we went to the fair, to the county fair. We always go to the county fair. And over the years, I've kind of liked it less and less. And this past year, we went to the fair, Tim and I went to the fair, and we're walking through this sea of teenagers that are hanging on each other, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> And just being teenagers, <laughs> right? At the county fair. And maybe that's, that's, may not be a very great description of them, but it was just like that was a trigger for me. That took me back to that time where I was a teenager and pregnant and how that just like zoomed me right back there. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of said it to Tim, I'm like, yeah, I know why I don't like this. <laughs> I know I don't like this anymore, <laughs> but um, but acknowledging it and just taking a deep breath and going, okay, it's all good. Just acknowledging something, saying it out loud, like you were saying, Maria. I think um, about just bringing something to light, and then okay, it it lessens the burden and the and the weight.
2: I think joke brings up a good point that. That trigger, it tethers us back, not always to the abortion experience, the medical procedure, something like that, sure. That, that's a logical trigger that tethers us back to that experience. Mm-hmm. But something like a fair, right, it, it can tether us back to who we were at that time. Mm-hmm. And that may be someone that we don't want to remember yeah. or that we don't want to be now. And that's, that's the power of the trigger, is the thought that comes along when when the trigger you know um, comes up? So Joe yeah. probably was thinking, "Wow, I'm at the fair. I I was like these kids who I, I I'm not really you know is not a favorable mm-hmm. um, experience. It wasn't a good experience for me." Um, and am I still that person? Yeah. You know, deep down, am I really still that person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, you're you're listening to Triumph on St. Gabriel Radio, AM 820. This is a show about God's love and his peace and his mercy and his forgiveness for those who have had an abortion experience in their past. I'm joined by joe welsh my wife and i am tim welsh and uh maria elliott is here uh to talk about triggers today and we've just sort of unpacked a little bit about about uh you know some of the triggers that people and and by the way triggers can our reaction to triggers can be completely irrational right i mean just Mm -hmm. some of the things that you know because what you were just saying maria about am i still that person most of the time we're not still that person mm-hmm. and we're still thinking oh my gosh i wonder if other people think i'm still that person and, and what if i am still that person and will god ever forgive me for being that person at some point in my life and blah 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 Absolutely. blah blah mm-hmm. it just goes on and on and on so i just think that that um uh you know what we do with those triggers i think is ultimately the most important thing right
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, 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 it's so funny because um you know that the night i at at our session that i kind of admitted that you know i never thought i had any triggers well i'm so special and then you know going to the fair and then you know that happening mm-hmm. and when i kind of you know going over triggers and going over triggers a lot and i always maybe i was just in denial of having triggers but i for some reason maybe it maybe it's god you know, opening up my mind to it, or me allowing to be open to it. Um, you know, it takes it does take time, and um, it. Um, I think it'll just recognizing it and 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 being open to kind of what it is, and then accepting it, and then moving
0: forward. I don't know so, if that that make any sense. Yeah, but we, you know, I think that I think the hope lies in in what happened to allow you to accept that. I mean, you know, I mean cuz it is kind of there, there's a there's a great line that I that I really love and the, the the guy um Tua who's the the quarterback for Alabama who's been injured and he's now entering the pros for football and all that stuff. He was raised his father had a had a four-word phrase that he used with him all the time and it's like so what, what now? I mean, so you're having this happen. What now? What are you going to do about it? You know and I, I think that's mm-hmm. probably where we are in this conversation <laughs> now.
2: Yeah, and with symptoms, with triggers, I like um, to help people i've I've been using for years, when we we can name them, our triggers and our symptoms, we claim them, right? We don't mm-hmm. deny them, we don't push them under anymore. Only then can we tame them. So name them, claim them, tame them. When we do those things, they lose their power over us. Mm-hmm. Because when we're in denial, when we avoid, when we're not even aware, they really begin to control us. Yeah, our behaviors, our relationships, how we feel, our re- even our relationship with God. You know, it becomes a block there, and then affects everything else. But when we name them, claim them, then we have the power with God to tame them.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Dang, she's so smart. She
0: is very <laughs> smart. That's why we asked her to be on with us here. Yeah. It's
1: elevating us.
0: So that we wouldn't have to. Yeah. We're we're now in room with genius, right? <laughs> right. It's great. It's
2: the Holy I Spirit. I love this whole
0: thing. Well, so it, it's important, you know, to also understand, I think, that triggers can be rather healthy sometimes. I mean, and I think that's that's the challenge for all of us in our everyday life, of course, is to try to identify those things which are actually beneficial and those things that are not, or or more spiritually, those things that are from God and those things that are, are not from God. Absolutely. Right? So, that for me is the heavy lifting.
1: But I, and and really with ch- this last trigger that I was talking about, it's almost like um I I'm just I'm still learning. You know, I'm still learning about you know things like you said Maria mm-hmm. like recognizing. You know, that's I've never really wanted to go to the fair for quite some time, but I don't know what it what opened up Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden i'm like this is what it is i'm able to verbalize it maybe or i'm not afraid and just letting it all out there Mm
0: -hmm. see i i maybe you should lie down on the couch so i can do some armchair psychology with (laughs) you but, but i i um i find that really fascinating because in our relationship nobody would know this besides us in our relationship um You've always been the one that wanted to go to the fair, and I've always not wanted to go to the fair. Right. I mean, I've always just like hated going yeah, to the fair, the right? and I couldn't I, – well, that, the Ferris wheel is, is a dangerous mechanism, so <laughs> we don't talk about the Ferris wheel. Um, no, but I mean, we we just – I mean, I've just never liked going to the fair, and you right. always wanted to go to the fair, you know, and – so there was a point, and I don't even re- it. It just evolved that I started liking going to the fair, and then you know we go to the Circleville Pumpkin Show now, and we you know every all this stuff. You, oh, you, you did don't... you hear
1: my eyes roll? With <laughs> yeah, that, that was
0: another one. So, so it, it's fascinating to me that I mean you had an experience at the fair when you were sixteen, and you and you were you know you you were the the your boyfriend wasn't kind to you. In fact, it was rather. Abusive to you at the fair one day, and you've sort of held that in for a long, long time. And it's perfectly understandable that you n- you never wanted to be at the fair ever again. Mm-hmm. But you put up that facade that, "Hey, let's go to the fair," and I never want to go to the fair. Mm-hmm. It- it's just it's fascinating. So we're not going to the fair anymore. Yeah, Is that so what we've come yeah. to that conclusion? Well, you told awesome. me that <laughs> after after you had this epiphany last. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's. So, I mean, I,
1: so we 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 put up walls. We mask. We do whatever we have to do, right, mm-hmm. to get through and to be what we think we want people to think we are. Hmm. Does that did that was yeah.
2: that did that follow? <laughs> but I think the hope is that's hard. But it doesn't have to be that way yes. forever. Yeah, And that's what this Triumph show is all about. Yeah, exactly. We acknowledge your pain. We know what it's like. We've yes. heard the stories. There are other women and men who have experienced it, but it doesn't have to always be that way. Yeah. We have a healing, miracle-making God mm-hmm. who yeah. who wants your freedom Um and, and will help you gain that freedom.
1: Yeah,
2: wow. yeah, yeah. and it's always,
1: I always, uh, recently, not always, but I just realized this, that, you know, people always say, well, everybody has a story, and that's true. And when you're in a healing um, session, and you hear s- uh, somebody else's story, and, um, you know, you feel the pain and everything of that story, you know, all those stories are different. You you can relate because they're kind of similar, but when you, um, those, you know, the, they're all different. But when you decide to get healing, that's when your stories become kind of the same. You are working towards that hope and that release of of all that mm-hmm. stuff you've been hanging on to. So, you know, even though we're all different, but at that point, I think we begin to be the same, sort
2: of. We're all different and the same. I- well, and I think that's where, like we were talking about last um, show, is that the truth remains, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Part of the healing journey is remembering the truth that we are loved, we are forgiven, um, and that no matter what any of us have done in the past, that we are loved and forgiven And I think with symptoms, with triggers, the thoughts that we begin telling ourselves are not, we are loved and forgiven, Mm -hmm. right? I screwed up. I can never be forgiven. I'm a horrible person. And that's what keeps those symptoms and triggers really debilitating for us. But when we acknowledge them, name them, claim them, right, we can learn to tame them by really looking at those thoughts that run through our head when a trigger happens or when we're noticing symptoms and holding them up to the truth. Am I not forgiven? No, that's not the truth. Am I unlovable? No, that's not the truth. And when we begin to change those thoughts and put them more in line with the truth, Mm -hmm. then that's when the healing happens and that's when we notice our connection with other people.
0: Well, and it's the stories that bind us. You know, it's mm-hmm. the stories that that uh, put us all in the same room together, and and I yes. I just it, it's it's no secret to um, uh, some in the listening audience. About fourteen years ago, I declared myself as an alcoholic, and I go to AA meetings. Joe goes with me on Sunday mornings, and. Uh, um, it it is the it, they are those stories that just absolutely and, and you know when you when you hear i mean and believe me we hear some really wacky stuff at the i mean the people that that are are in the throes of alcoholism or some sort of drug dependency or something they do some crazy stuff i mean really crazy stuff and 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 but you you sit there and you there, there are only a couple or three reactions to those stories when you're sitting there listening to them one of which is dude how did you know my how did you know did you do you did that too, right? You know that's one right. thing, and the other part is, uh, oh, I didn't, I, I wasn't that bad. At least you didn't know? You do that. I mean, yeah, at least <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, uh, so one way or another, that just kind of binds you. And I remember as I was going through, I, I went through some uh, outpatient stuff. Um, rehab when i first declared uh, my alcoholism and i remember the woman and i was never i never like went out and drank or anything i I came home every night and drank myself to sleep basically but um i do remember the woman talking about triggers uh, the Mm -hmm. the counselor they're talking Mm -hmm. about triggers and she goes you got to recognize them and you got to deal with them and all that stuff just the same thing that you were just saying maria and i i said to her my front door is my trigger Mm. i mean when i walk home that's the first thing i do um so sometimes those triggers can be really pervasive in your life and sometimes it's a it may be a spouse it may be a child it may be somebody that you something that is just completely ubiquitous in your life mm-hmm. and and that's that's pretty difficult. Yeah. Any closing thoughts?
1: Uh this has been great. I I don't have any
2: Trigger's right this second. I didn't trigger anything. <laughs> you did any not yet. trigger anything. <laughs> not yet. It's me.
0: early yet. So
2: Well, and Tim, you, I think just in closing, you bring up a good point. Sometimes it's not anything related to the abortion experience that may trigger mm-hmm. that, but it's a trigger to those thoughts, right? Yes. With the abortion experience, many women and men feel like, I'm not forgivable, I'm unlovable, I'm a horrible person. Mm-hmm. So anything in life that triggers that thought is going to pull us back. Mm-hmm. But and, there is hope. And it there is, is, hope. The, it is it. the
0: hope and it's the love that, uh, that others exhibit toward us. You've been listening to Triumph on St. Gabriel Radio, AM 820. I'll leave you again with uh, a quote from Pope Benedict. He said in one of his encyclicals, Truth is vital, but truth without love is unbearable. Thanks for joining us.